Hi, I'm Bryce, and I'm ready to preach. Hi, I'm Casey. I'm ready to preach. Hi, I'm Eric, and I'm ready to preach. Hi, I'm Mark, and I'm ready to preach. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this opportunity, God. We ask that you bless this podcast according to your will, God. We ask that everything we say and do be to the edification and lifting of your people, God. We ask that you come in mightily and use your Holy Spirit to guide us and to lead us, God, and teach us to help teach your 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 saints and your children, God. We ask that what we say tonight be done to to acknowledge you and acknowledge your name, God, and to send knowledge and understanding to your people, God. We ask that you open some people's eyes tonight, open their hearts to accept and receive what you've done for them. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. Welcome back, family. You have reached the Ready to Preach podcast. We're so excited to have you on tonight. We're thankful that you stopped by. We're grateful that you've taken time out of your day to listen to what we have to say. We're going to go around the table and start by asking how everyone's week has gone so far, and we're going to start off with Mark. How are you doing? I'm doing really good. My weeks went pretty well so far. Um, We had a couple graduation parties over the weekend. Yep. Um, Did a little bit of relaxing around the house, went on a nice, what felt like an overly (laughs) warm walk yesterday. Yeah, it was hot. It's been hot. Probably should have taken some water with me and, and also not worn two layers of shirts, including one of them being... A very dark color. Yeah. May not have been the best move, but <coughs> still was pretty good. Good. Casey, how are you feeling? It's been a good week. Um, same graduation parties. I did learn something about Bryce this weekend, and it's that he is an automatic t- target for all children under the age of 10. Um, I had yesterday off, so... I, you got to expound on that a that, little more. Yeah, that, that sounds kind of bad. Sound very good. <laughs> Automatic target. Can you target you, as in like if there's water guns involved or literally any other thing, they're going after Bryce first. Okay, that's oh, better. Bryce is the target. Okay, yeah. yeah. Now that makes that's sense. That's what I said. He's a target for. He's their first point of trying to shoot somebody with something like a water gun or water balloon. I will say yeah. this: they started the fight, but I think between Bryce Dad and Uncle Dick, they ended we the fight. Ended. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but. It's been a good week. Haven't done much, but I'm not opposed to that. How was Sunday for you guys? Good. It was good. Well, you've got to ask. I'm going to ask him. I just want to know from you. Stop trying to take the wheel, sir. Jeez. How was Sunday, Mark? Jeez. Sunday was good. (laughs) It was good. It was real good. Enjoyable. Always is. Casey lit the sermon up this week. Yes, she did. Yes, she did. She lit it up over there on Sunday night. Thanks. I forgot that I preached until... You said something, to be honest. You did a good job, too. You did a real good job. You always preach out of the same section of verses. Not always. No, she doesn't. 90% of the time, you do. Which ones? Genesis to Revelation? No. (laughs) (laughs) It seems like you always preach about the same thing. Not the same. David and Goliath? No. I have preached about David and Goliath before. Multiple times. But from a different perspective. perspective. No, I'm, I'm not shaming it. I'm saying it's quality. I was going to say, Paul spent most of his time writing about about Jesus. He wrote about the same thing in most of his books. Absolutely, I'm so, not. I'm not saying it's bad. I'm just saying it seems like you always come from such a familiar passage and yeah. give us a different a message different out of outlook it. Outlook on it. That's what I'm saying. There's a lot I'm of saying, things that you can miss when you read something like that or preach on something like there's that. There's way more. That's in, why you got to preach on it twice because sometimes you got to no, go back like and preach it again. Times. You can preach on the same thing. Same group and get different because you can. Everything's broken down. I think you could preach on David and Goliath for like ten years. That's just more proof that there's more to each thing you read than just the initial glance of what you're reading. Whenever they tell you that you can read a verse, you know, four different times and get something different every time, it's true. It's true true because you can get stuff 
how would David feel in this position? How would Saul feel in this position? How would David's brothers feel? How would the Israelite army feel? How would the Philistine army feel? And how would Goliath, Goliath feel? Goliath feels like he had a headache. headache. Yeah. <laughs> he had a weight lifted off his shoulders. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> From about three inches above his shoulders. <laughs> yeah, he took it off at the shoulders. Yeah, that's another way to get ahead in life. <laughs> Okay, let's get off of that. <laughs> okay, Gibby. That was my one for, the, for a while. <laughs> how was your week, Gibby? It was good. All I've done is worked, but it's been great. It and hot so, and sweaty. It is hot and but dry. But it's been great. Like, everybody, from anybody listening to the podcast, please pray for some rain. Oh, yeah. yeah. It's terrible outside right we now. Least not look, some rain. Just at least a little. We almost need a flood. No. No, 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 no. Not like a flood. Hold no. on, hold on. Pray for a soft soaking rain once a week. For or how about week. even just like some occasional cloud cover? Yeah, to where it's not so hot. Yeah, just a little bit of cloud cover. I can cover do the hot. I just can't do the dry. Yeah, it's bad. The heat Any, isn't terrible. Anyhow, anyone going to ask me? How are you, Bryce, how is your how week? Are you doing this How week? is your week so far? Wonderful. I'm, you want to elaborate? No, it's been good. It's been very good. Sunday's good for me. I love Sundays. Sundays We're working yeah. really hard right now on our sound system, try to dial it in better than we have, because I believe we have this thing going around, and I feel like everyone should have it. You know, once you know more stuff, you should try to do more stuff. Be better. And, right. It. And we're learning more as we go, you know, into this thing called life. Yeah, I guess in ministry, you know, and we're as we learn, I think we should try to progress and put into action what we've learned. I've done that over the years with my setup of my stuff, and I have it at both churches to where I think I only got one pedal I don't have at the other one, but I don't use it very often. Right. But it feeds through because if anyone knows anything about like tube amps, they put out a bit of a hum. Right. Even when you're doing nothing, but you get a little bit of a hum. Yeah. So I've got stuff that I put through. I put my instruments and my pedals through it, and I also put it through the send and receive on the amp to try and clean out some of that as well. So as long as I'm not doing anything, it kind of silences and shuts off right. most and of it, that stuff. And it's it's all because you've done learned. and learned and moved forward and put what you've learned into action to to progress, I guess, is yeah. a better way to and put it. To the yeah. point that once we got to second location, I just went out and bought seconds to each of those pedals so I could <laughs> right, do it the exact right. same and way. That's, that's kind of what we're doing. We're adjusting both. Uh, we've got one sounding really good on our live stream for Facebook and stuff, and we're working on the second, just trying to adapt to what the differences are at both churches, but yeah. also mm-hmm. overcome those differences right? and get a good quality sound out of everything. So I've been working on that. We have been, I guess I should say, and... Just so you've been doing a really good job though. Yeah. You're adjusting the soundboard. Bryce is a engineer, sound engineer. For I'm trying. Sure. I really am sure. trying. You're even though good job. I have no idea what I'm doing on a lot of it. Just twist this knob, twist that knob. Sometimes that's what get, it takes. You'll get something yeah. there. You never know. But anyhow, we're working on that, adjusting it, and I'm loving the sermons I'm hearing from everybody. I'm loving the ideas and creativity people are coming. Not ideas. They're all the same. You know, point to Jesus Christ and I'm crucified. But anyhow, I'm loving the creativity that's being involved in the passion that's being put into things you can tell when someone has studied and really took something to heart in my opinion mm-hmm. you know you can tell when someone has passion about what they're saying and you know, it kind of gives it more validity to me yeah. because you feel like that they you can tell that they believe what they're, they're saying. they're not just going through the motions they are actually they're sold out on what they're trying to present right and that's some of the some of the stuff i've been watching this week is a lot of people trying to disprove what's happened, you know, and the credibility of the authors of the New Testament talking about Jesus' resurrection and stuff. 
It's like, how many people do you believe? How many people do you know that have died for what they believe? There is no monetary input out of what they, they didn't gain anything. No matter of fact, they all lost their lives except for one. And they didn't just, it's not for lack of not trying. Not for lack of trying. They know? did everything they could have. They crossed off the checklist and created a new one and it still and, didn't work. And, and I like, I like that because they know what they believe in. They've seen it. You know, there's something in your mind. You can't honestly not believe something that you've seen. Exactly. Something that you experience, you cannot genuinely not believe it, I guess. Right. I know. I've seen a lot of stuff this week, too, around the same lines of people saying, you know, well, what evidence do you have that the Bible is not just some made-up story? And then you think, do you have any photographic evidence or any video evidence of George Washington being inaugurated as the first right, president? Right, yep, right. You know, People, it's such a double standard. They're willing to believe something that's easy for them and holds no, bears no consequences. But eyewitness testimony for, like you said, people who gave everything. That's all history is. Is eyewitness yeah. testimony. It just depends on who you're getting the eyewitness from. And it's not even about their credibility. Like I was trying to state before, you can't not believe something. You will not put your life on the line Absolutely for something you do not. not truly believe. Absolutely not. You will, a lot of people go, you know, in the last day, they're going to be, you'll be asked who you, who you're going to serve, you know? And even in their time, who, who's bow down to Caesar? I'm not bowing, even like the children or the three Hebrew children, they truly believed 100% in their mind and in their life that they lived. They believe that God is the only God that they should bow to. Mm-hmm. What were they willing to do? Go in the furnace. And if they weren't willing, to, if they didn't truly believe that God was the God, they would have just bowed. People don't die for a lie. No. Not, no one ever has. You know, even if someone is getting to a point where they are coming to a conviction for like a criminal stand from a criminal back or standpoint, they're not going to go with the lie. They're just going to end up testifying of guilt, being guilty. Right. You can try to talk yourself into believing it, but it won't happen. Yeah. And a lot of that has to come with who people or how people identify themselves in Christ, through Christ, through their ability. You know, a lot of people, I think that's a crisis we're going through right now is an identity crisis. 100% is an identity crisis. Because people don't know who they are mm-hmm. or aren't willing to believe who they are or whose they are. No, but they're willing to believe who everyone else tells them that they think they really are. Right, or who they they want, they feel like they should be, or they want to be to gain this or gain that, you know, but that's going to be our topic tonight. We're going to talk about some identity. We can go into identity crisis. We can go into what identity is. I'm going to let Mark start off. I want him to look up the definition that, of identity. Yeah. I had to put when I had accepted in there first, because looking up what that one was. Let me just ask you this, Casey. What do you think identity is, just as a roundabout definition in your mind? Either. I just want to use the word to, um, I can't even think of how you say it. Identity is the facts or parts that you use to, I want to say identify yourself, but that's not, you can't use, you can't it use the, the word, def- but I can't think of another word, but it's like. Perceive. Yeah. How you're perceived either by yourself or by people around you, because speaking in worldly terms, who you think you are, your identity to yourself mm-hmm. could be different from somebody who knows you. I don't think you can self-identify. I agree. That's 100%. I think it has to be an outside perspective of you to truly identify. Honestly, I don't think other people really can identify you either. I think you can self-identify. 
Because how are you going to call yourself a child of God and you identify as that? Because you're getting self-identify that. Because you're getting the input of why you're a child of God from an outside source. In this case, the Bible. Makes sense. Your identity is your definition of you as a person. That's what I was looking for earlier. The definition of you. I think. What is identity, Mark? This says one common meaning is the fact of being who or what a person or thing is. Another meaning is the memories, experiences, relationships, and values that create one's sense of self. I feel like that's more character. Yeah. I feel like that's more of a characteristic. My thing is, I like the word, the fact. Fact? A lot of people are identifying themselves based upon lies nowadays. That is very, very When you get to a point where you're questioning what you are or what gender you are, that you're in a weak spot in your mind. And that's when the devil comes in and tries to take over because he knows you're weak already. And create even weaker. And he's telling you, oh, you're not this, you're this, or you're not this person, you're that person. And then all of a sudden you're so messed up, you can't even see straight. And we're not, we don't even have to touch on the topic of that, you know, yeah. identifying that way. I'm just talking about in identifying uh, people think they're failures. Yeah. Right? Or people think they're better than what they actually are, you know, um, the Bible says you have to humble yourself. You have to submit yourself one to another, you know, and you're not going to do that as someone who thinks that they're amazing. No, absolutely not. And then there's some people that think that they're a complete and utter failure, but God says, come to me as you are, all who are bur- are broken and heavy laden with burdens, are burdened and heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. He, There's extremes on both ends of the side that God, God's willing to work with. Mm-hmm. You know, and you have to change. Obviously, you have to change your mindset on that. It's a it's a it's a thing that you have to work towards to identify in Christ as a child of God. It's something that you have to work towards because your mind fights you, um, outside circumstances fights you, uh, people around you fight you, your past fights you, uh, the your present sometimes fights you. The decisions that you make in the moment, and then obviously the biggest one we fight is our adversary, the devil. I think that people realizing their true identity in Christ is his worst nightmare. It exactly. has to be. It has to be because once you find your identity, you you gain a certain um, potential, I'll say. I don't want to say a potential, but you, you gain this visibility of the potential that you can become. Right. Well, it makes me think, you know, you hear about low self-esteem in like teenage girls, whatever. Yeah. Girls with low self-esteem will allow a lot of things to go on that they shouldn't. Absolutely. Because they want... The attention. To be valued. Right, right. And if you think of yourself as a person or a Christian with low self-esteem, there's a lot of things that you'll allow to come in. Right. Because you don't have the self-assuredness to not. And one thing we want to point out with that is just because you're getting attention for something that you're doing or letting happen... Doesn't mean it's good. Doesn't mean it's good attention. There right. is a difference between good attention and good intention. Right. And bad attention with bad intention. intention. And you'll exactly. never find good attention with bad intention. Right. It will only have what it has. Because you can only, if you're putting in, if the reason you're doing something is good, something bad's not coming out of it. And right. if the reason you're doing something's bad, something good's not coming out of it. So it's only going to come out of the intent that you're putting in to start with. So my thing is, too, when people self-identify... They use other people to identify themselves. Right. You know what I mean? And there's a lot of people in different places than you are. And one of the things that came to my mind is us trying to be, a lot of people identify with feeling. 
They use emotion in it to better themselves, quote unquote. And it's more or less us not being happy with ourselves or the situations we're in. And a lot of times we're like, um, I'm just, I just need more money. No, or more money will make me happy. No, you'll just be happy if you have more money than someone else. Yeah, that's true. Uh, you don't want to be smarter. You just want to be smarter than this person or smarter than someone else. Go ahead, Mark, with your thoughts. I was going to say, so I, I pulled up a section of scripture here. that kind of, it's, got, it's got the both sides of the story. Yeah. So it's Ephesians chapter 2. Okay. I'm going to just read verses 1 through 3 to start with because it's talking about how we perceive ourselves based on our past or based on how other people are. And it says, And you hath he quickened who were dead in trespasses and sins, where in time past you walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience, among whom also we all had our conversation in times past in the lusts of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature the children of wrath, even as others. And that covers both how you perceive yourself based on how you feel with the desires of the flesh and how right. you think of yourself or the desires of the mind. And it's all, this whole chunk of it is all talking about while we were ruled by our sin, by we, we were ruled by the things that we did wrong. Right. Our thoughts and our feelings only came from the things that we did that were wrong. It didn't come from anything positive at all. Right. And a lot of times it will weigh you down in a way that you don't feel like you can become anything else. You don't feel uh, accepted in such a way by God, and this is one of my one of these topics here. I got on, pulled up on my screen. First thing to identity is being accepted, and like I said before, come as you are, all you are burdened and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. You have to first. You have to get in your mind to go to Jesus. That's one of the things, and then you have to wonder if you're going to make, if you're available, or if there's availability for you to be accepted. But God hasn't turned anyone away. People have turned away from God. Now, that's yeah. a, there's a there's a different side of it, but God hasn't turned anyone away. And I got the definition of accepted here because that's one of the ones I had earlier when I was reading through some of those different other definitions. Generally believed or recognized to be valid or correct. Right. And that's a lot of times all we want is someone to reaffirm how we see ourselves. Whether it's good or bad, right. we want someone to say that we're right. How much how much more affirming can anyone be than Jesus? While we are yet sinners, Christ died for us. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever should believe in him should not perish but have everlasting life. How much more acceptance do you need? And honestly, we're not trying to push accept our identity on somebody, but I think that's a big step in your Christian walk is knowing who you are in Christ. I don't think you have to be pushing that identity on somebody, whether or not you realize it or you choose to accept it, that's who you are. Right. We said fact is part of identity. the definition of identity. The fact of the matter is, is that you've been created by a creator, God, yep. who loves you yep. and stitch you together piece by piece. Whether or not you choose to accept that about yourself and you choose to identify yourself that way for lack of better words it doesn't change the fact of the matter right facts facts and feelings are two different things yep and feelings don't dictate facts no not a bit. i think i gonna say i think i covered that last week but i can pull those up again absolutely so the next thing we have on identity is security how secure do you feel in your identity 
And a lot of the times the people who self-identify or identify with worldly things will not be so secure on it. And if they think they're secure, you ask them a couple simple questions about it. And then they're like, well, that toppled my whole idea of what yeah. things are. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Am I too much of a failure? Can I overcome the struggles that I face? Will I spend my eternity in heaven? That's a big question about security and identity. Do you know? Yeah, because you're you're the thing is, whichever there's really there's two identities. Right. One gets you to one and one gets, gets you to, you to the, the other. other. Right. That, and there's that, no in it. between. Based upon what everybody else feels, there's a fact inside that heaven or hell. It's your choice. And we know I don't like using the word feel or feels or feelings. Right. For reasons like this. So the definition of feeling is an emotional state or reaction. So again, it's the feeling is dependent on something else. It's not self-sufficient. There has to be something else to cause it. Or a belief, especially a vague or irrational one. So it either is caused by something else or it's qualified as not rational. So that's something that can change. Becomes irrational. Yeah. Which is uh, for layman's term, doesn't make sense. Exactly. Right. Whereas fact is a thing that is known or proved to be true. So they've people have tried to disprove it and they can't. So it's it can't change. It is what it is, and that's all it can be. Or it's information used as evidence or as a part of a report or news article, or the truth about events as opposed to interpretation. Right. So facts in and of themselves don't rely on anything else to be true. Right. They're just true because they are. I I like using the phrase, the funny thing about truth is it doesn't require you to believe it to be true. Right. So here's a list of things that I've found. I didn't come up with them. Scriptures for my identity in Christ. I'm a child of God. Uh, Philippians 2, 14 and 15. Do all things without grumbling or disputing that you may be blameless and innocent. Children of God without blemish in the midst of a crooked and twisted generation among you are among whom you shine as lights in the world. I'm saved, Romans 5, 8. But God, so our God shows his love for us in that while we are yet sinners, Christ died for us. I'm chosen, Colossians 3, 12. Put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience. I have eternal life, John 3, 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever should believe in him should not perish but have ever our everlasting life. You can go on a list and a list and a list. Yeah, I've got even more than that too because it has one that says, in Christ I'm accepted, then lists a whole bunch. In Christ I'm secure, then lists some more. Yep. In Christ I'm significant. So the, the, the three things that people sometimes want to give them a reason, but identified some way is they want to be significant, they want to be secure, and they want to be accepted. Well, that's all possible. All three of those, it says and on these, in Christ, you are all these things. God is offering all these things through his son and through the salvation of his son. I think the in Christ is the most important part for people. Um, that's so hard for them to go. It is. You know, Mark read the definition of identity, and it had something to do with past experiences that define you as a person. Yeah. And I think what's hard for people to grasp is that in Christ, once you accept Christ, the past is rewritten. You may have had a different identity at one point. Yeah. 
But once you have your encounter with Christ and you choose to continue on, not just have an encounter and choose to continue to do what you're doing before, right? this is wiped clean and you get a new identity that you can move forward with. And that's one of the biggest reasons why I don't think you can self-identify. Right. Because it, it brings you to a different place. You know, it'd be like, It'd be like you going up to your manager, Casey, and be like, I'm the manager now. <laughs> That'd <laughs> well, go over well. <laughs> well, I, I, that's just just a funny analogy, but just because you said it don't mean it's true. This right. just reminds me of a movie quote. There's a movie with uh, Tom Hanks. It's called, I think it's called Captain Phillips. Yeah. And they get um, boarded by these like Somalian pirates. And this guy just walks up to him and says, I'm the captain now. And it's taken over. And it's, all intent is evil. Yeah. They're there to try and get money or to kill the people. Right. Taking over the other's identity, taking, trying to take his spot. Yeah. And you can't do that. I think identity has to come from, like I said before, an external force, but it has to come from someone way higher than we are. Mm-hmm. Or the right external source. Right. Because you can't accept identity because there there is a higher power. I, I'm not even going to say that. There's not a higher power than us. That's Satan. He's not stronger. If you're a believer and a child of God, but he will try to lie to you and tell you who you, who he thinks you should be Mm -hmm. and deceive you. You know, identity, we've touched on what it is, but I feel like an example would be a good way to go for people who aren't quite understanding um, not even understanding, but can't fathom how an identity change can happen. And I think we're all familiar with a passage in the Bible that speaks about a woman with an issue of blood. Yep. Yeah. Um, you know, and the most important thing to take notice of in this circumstance is that she does not have a name. Right. She's not given a name. Right. The only thing she was known by was the problem that she had. She was not allowed to be around people. She was not allowed to be close to the masses. She was not allowed to partake in daily life with others because she had a problem. A lot of people have problems. It might not be a physical ailment, but something right. that right. separates you. Or have uh, addictions. Right. That, that obviously they have to change, but in the same response, you need to get saved before those things can happen. Yeah. There's a lot of things that people think is just a simple fix. In reality, you cannot do it on your own. Absolutely. And but this woman had an encounter where she had a touch from Jesus or better yet, she reached out and touched him herself or the hem of his garment yeah. at least. And whenever she received her healing, she received something else. Right. And it was a better way to identify herself. What did she get called, Bryce? Daughter. And I think I think that's a good, great example, biblical example. And that's one where Jesus specifically names her. Right. At that point in time, doesn't call her who she, who she was. She changed her to who she is now, a daughter of the Most High. And I believe, I mean, 10 verses down, it talks about blind Bartimaeus. Mm-hmm. Same kind of situation. He was he was blind, but he heard that the Son of God was coming through. And they came to Jericho and went with a great number of people. And blind Bartimaeus, the son of Timaeus, sat by the highway begging. And then he heard that Jesus of Nazareth and began to cry out, saying, Jesus, Thou son of David, have mercy on me. And many charged him that he should hold his peace. But he cried out a great deal. Let's talk about that for a minute. Okay. There's going to be some people in your life, no matter if you really have changed or not, who will not believe that you've changed. Oh, absolutely. Mm -hmm. 
and who will tell you to sit down and be quiet because you're this old this and you're that old this. But what's an important part about that, Mark, whether people give you forgiveness or not? It's not, you don't have to worry about it. They give you forgiveness. They're not, their opinion is not the one that matters. Right. Who gives you forgiveness ultimately? God does through Jesus who accepting him. That That's the only, the that's, only opinion that really honestly matters. Is God's. And it's hard for us to fathom that because all we hear a lot of the times is people talking to us. But it says, and they charge him that she'd hold his peace. And he, but he cried the more, a great deal, thou son of David, have mercy on me. And what did it do, Casey? It got Jesus' attention. Sure did. Jesus stood still and commanded him to be called. And he called, and they called the blind man, saying unto him, Be of good comfort. Rise, he calleth thee. See, they changed their tone when the son of when when Jesus started talking. Mm-hmm. And when Jesus started saying, Hey, bring him this way. It's weird how people would change in such a quick moment. You know, um, because they, I feel like in that moment in time, they esteemed Jesus pretty, pretty highly. They elevated him because they know what he was doing and he had a great following of people. And it, when the blind man was talking, they told him to sit down and be quiet. But when Jesus said, Hey, bring him over here, they had a different outlook on things. Who you're attached to can change how you're perceived by people. Absolutely. That's what I'm getting at here. And they said, they were like, okay, now he said, call, just go ahead and go. And he, casting away his garment, rose and came to Jesus. And Jesus answered and said, What wilt thou that I should do unto thee? The blind man said, Lord, that I might receive my sight. And Jesus said unto him, Go away, thy faith hath made thee whole. Now, it doesn't make sense at the beginning of this why he said, Your faith has made me whole. What about his faith other than him standing up and saying, All right, Jesus, I want you to heal me. Him having faith in that, but there's a little piece that we miss. It says, and he casting away his garment. Mm-hmm. Now, at that point in time, I don't know if any of you know this or not, but a garment was signified like a name tag. Right. There was such thing as a blind man's garment. And they laid there on the side of the road begging because they couldn't see to work. You know what I mean? At that point in time, everyone was basically had nothing farming or <laughs> being shepherds or whatever they were doing, money changers. I don't know what they the occupations were, but he got up and took that off first. He took out, he put the identity that the world has placed on him and even his own circumstances have placed on him and said, I want to identify with how Jesus says I am. Let's talk about faith for a minute. Do you think that if he picked it back up, his healing would have been revoked? Absolutely. Not, there's no doubt in my mind, not saying that Jesus couldn't do it, but he said, your faith hath made thee whole, and immediately he received his sight and followed Jesus in the way. I don't think if he followed Jesus, it would have, it would have, it would have stayed. No, I don't. I just, I was thinking about that. I was like, you know, the woman who was healed, if she would have gone off and doubted whether or not she'd been healed, would her healing been revoked? I, I'm not so sure that it would would have been not been revoked. But I'm not saying I don't want I don't want to say revoked, but I'm saying that there's two parts in it, right? It has to take you believing what God can do and God doing it. Right. And in the same way with this, like you're saying, if he would have put that that garment back on, it would have been like, well, you don't believe that I can do this. So why, I mean, it could have been an even bigger faith move. I'm not saying that God can't. Right. You know, or Jesus couldn't have healed him if he put a garment on, because that's silly. But in the same respect, it's like your faith, you have to have faith that God can do these things. And once, once, 
all these things culminate together and work together saying faith is a part of your identity and seeing what God has done in the past is part of your identity in Christ. And I think all these things have to work and come together to build a strong faith, a relationship with God, a relationship with people. You know, it's all just a big melting pot, I guess, boiled down into your relationship with Christ, to your walk with Christ. Any thoughts, Mark? I would agree. And I also I was looking up some others while you guys were talking about um, the one with issue of blood and while you're talking about blind Bartimaeus. There's so many others that people that would be like us tempted to still try to be identified with their past because everyone, we, and we all know that person that if someone mentions, like, oh, it's the one who did that. Right. We never completely forget that. Right. But there's so many other people that, that changes on that. I always feel if you have just one example, it's a good idea. But when you have multiples that show that the rep- previous reputation in your past history doesn't dictate who you can become. Right. The one to me that seems like the, the biggest, especially based on their reputation is someone that's from the old Testament that gets mentioned very highly later on in the new Testament. Yeah. And I'm talking about a certain lady that had a reputation when, um, the Hebrews were going, the Israelites were going to look out Canaan and, yeah. to, and find it. We're talking, talking about a uh, Rahab. Yep. Known because she was a harlot. She was a prostitute. Yeah. I guarantee you could go through there. Even if someone that didn't know much about her, they say, where did that prostitute live? They could point you right to where she was at. Oh yeah. So all her life, that's what, that's what she's been known by. Right. I mean, they mentioned every time they mention it, mention her in the Bible up until a certain point, they always point that out. That's her reputation. That's like, what's the easiest way? It's not like saying, well, maybe it's a common name like Joe. So what's Joe that did this? Right. So in this case, Rahab that did this. Right. Right. But later on, we learned because she was faithful when she was presented with some truth and she hid the spies to save them. Later on, a read of her in in Matthew, when it's going over the genealogy of Jesus, one of the people who he descended from was Rahab the harlot and her husband, and it was Obed, and there was Boaz, and these were the ones that, right. I think her husband was Salmon, or however, I don't know if it's pronounced like the fish, it's spelled like it. Yeah. But she started off somewhere else. Her past was predominantly what people pointed her out as. Right. And she ended up in the genealogy of Jesus And she Christ. ended up in something so much greater than what anyone else would have given her credit or expected of her. She didn't allow what she did to hold her back from what she's capable of. Exactly. Just like with the lady with the issue of blood, just like with blind Bartimaeus. She took initiative when she found out something. Right. She took it and she ran with it. Big. That's yeah. big. Going back to identity, um, I heard it. I heard it somewhere that because, you know, we all have a, a bad, not a bad reputation, but we all have a past. And a lot of people, they when they look at us, they see that because 
they might not know or they that's all they want to think of you as. But I heard it said that when a stone is thrown into water, most people remember the stone, but God remembers the ripples. Yeah. Are people that people that, you know, actually know who your true what your true identity is now or ever since you've been saved, they'll know the ripples of the waves and they'll but most people will just want to remember the rock. Or it's like the, I heard this explained yesterday. I was listening to a podcast on my walk. I was one of the one of Kirk Cameron's ones. And he was talking to I can't remember his first name, but it's the, his his dad is a, one of the two authors for the Left Behind books. And he's the guy who created the TV series The Chosen. And he was talking how he going through life he started to make a movie, made a movie, and it flopped horribly. Yeah. So he thought, I can't do movies. And so he started doing these, filming these little like um, testimony things at his local church. Yeah. And started questioning, should I make movies? Should I do anything? It's like, I don't have any story to tell. Then he started listening to those testimonies that he recorded, and every single one was just like a movie plot. Yeah. You have the first act, which is, uh, this is what I was. Right. The second act, but God, and the third act was, and this is what happened after that, which he said, that's what sparked him doing the chosen. The way he did was putting situations in there that we can relate to things that weren't covered there, but his, 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 their criteria for it was, this was, if it wasn't mentioned, is it plausible? Is it something that actually realistically could have happened? Like they put a character in there for Peter's wife's like, that's supportive of him for being in the ministry. But obviously, you know, it's still just because she supports him doesn't mean the three weeks he's gone on the missionary trips are easy on the, her and the, on the family. Right. So while they may not have been in it, it's like it's probable. And that helps you to kind of see yourself in the shoes, shoes of some of these these other people in the Bible. I start thinking of once we started talking about Bible stories, Bible accounts, sorry, once we started talking about Bible accounts, stuff started popping up in my mind of people who have There's been so many been changed. And one of them is Jacob. Let's talk about that, Mark. Give us a little rundown of Jacob and Esau at the beginning of life for Jacob. Well, Jacob was born second by probably just seconds because what is win. what does Jacob mean? Jacob is trickster, trickster, deceitful, heel grabber, heel grabber. Because he held on to his brother's heel when he was when they were being born. Jacob and Esau had a great fight, right? Yeah, they had they had a fight, and Jacob had been out working with his. He was work, he was a mama's boy. He was staying with his mom while right. while Esau was out doing the fields and hunting and things like that. And right. it was a stressful day, so he came in. He was hungry. He wanted something to eat. Yep. And Jacob, being the mama's boy, was the good cook out of the two. <laughs> but you look so, at me when you said that. I was just looking around. <laughs> Are you a good cook? Yeah. Okay. Mama's boy. <laughs> so he basically tricked him into giving away his birthright. I I I, I think he probably would have fed him anyway, but he's like, if I can get something out of this meal, I'm gonna may try and get well. I may as well try and get something out of this meal, you know? And they tricked his father too. They tricked it. He tricked it. Jacob he tricked did. him. Yeah. And I feel like, I don't know, that's one of those little odd spots. It's like, well, shouldn't Esau have remembered that he gave his brother his birth, birthright? Right. So he should have just let him go in first, and they should have said nothing. Right. Because Jacob was blind, could hardly tell anyway. No, Isaac. Isaac. Yeah. 
was blind by that time or mostly blind, had, was going by feel. So maybe that should have been voluntary, but I think maybe Esau thought, okay, you know, it's far enough down the road. He's forgotten that I gave him my birthright for that bowl of soup or but whatever. But no, what does he do? Put the skin of a lamb on his arm. Yep. So because Esau was apparently hairy. A very hairy guy. And when he felt, when Isaac felt that and heard the voice of Esau, he's like, okay, birthright's yours. So he's deceived him. He's deceived Isaac, yeah. definitely. And cut off Esau, or so he thought at the time. Well, no, he basically, he did cut him off because he's not in the genealogy anymore after that. So, but here it comes in Genesis chapter 35, verse 10. And God said unto him, thy name is Jacob. Thy name shall not be called Jacob or any more Jacob. But Israel shall be the name, and he called his name Israel. And it goes on literally from that verse forward, anywhere where it should be Jacob, it's it's Israel. Israel. God literally changed his name for him and made him a place, made him in the genealogy, accepted him the way he was. He He messed up pretty bad, but he came into this place where you can still be used whether or not you think you can be or not. Absolutely. And I heard a good point about that too. I was listening to that, something about that the other day um, to think about it. Go back. So read the part where he's contending with the angel, where it go, does he get, have where, where he refuses to let go? Cause this angel tells him it's about to be day, you know, let me go. And he, ref, Jacob refuses to, cause he asks him to bless him. Let me find it. Um, Should be just a couple of verses above that. Because it's right before the angel gives him his new name. God gave him his new name. That's Well, that's what the angel was. The thing is, the way they word it in there is that um changed the name of Israel because he wrestled with God there. And that's where he struck the, uh, the hip bone out of socket. The point being, when he reads this, listen to it, is that Jacob knew it wasn't any ordinary angel. Wasn't some ordinary stranger or something like that. He knew who it was. Because you're not holding on to that stranger and refusing to let them go till you bless you unless you know they're capable of it. Mm-hmm. So he didn't just chase down what he wanted. He held on to it until he got it. Did you find it there? I'm not finding no. it. No. Well, what's the, the, the chapter that's in? in 35. The Is that Genesis 35? Yep. Look it up. Read about the encounter between Jacob and the angel on the uh, in the road there where they wrestled. And I think we need to get that mentality once we've got that identity that we know we want. We know the that identity we can get we it through need. Jesus. We hold on and refuse to let go until we get it. Yeah, no matter what any outside or external force is telling us. Because just like Jacob knew that that angel could bless him and his family. Yeah, and it did. And they did, because that angel wasn't an unnamed angel. They went to the well of Israel <laughs> and in Jesus' time with the lady Jacob's at the well. well. Yeah, it's Jacob's well. This is the same guy we're talking about. And, yeah. it, and it continued to bless beyond Jacob's time, because we yeah. talked about him at Jacob's well. They came back. That one encounter with Jesus created more encounters with people. Yeah, and you could even look, if we want to keep going to the same time period when Jesus was traveling through Samaria and his other countries. Yeah. Um the uh the woman caught in adultery. Yeah. Changed her name. Right away. Yeah. Where are your where are your accusers? Everybody's gone. I have none. Go your way, sin no more. Easy. 
It's easy I want to point that. something out. Go, Go for, for it. it. You said something about a rock and ripples before. Yep. The only thing that makes a ripple significant is the rock, though. Exactly. All of these people that we're talking about, just because they had an identity change doesn't mean we don't still have awareness of who they were before. Having an identity change is only significant and only means something if you know what's been changed. Well, a lot of the times you hear people say, you can forget your past because it's gone, which is true. But it's also good to remember what God's brought you from and what God, how God's really changed you from, you know, the lying, cheating, killing, murdering, or stealing, you know, everything that you used to do. God's delivered you from that or addiction or anything. It could even be something that a lot of people don't even see as sin. Like, you know, in a way, when your identity changes, it's good to remember what God's brought you from because that'll help you keep faith in where God's taken you. Well, it keeps you humble too. There's no testimony. Without a test. Yeah. There's no testimony in saying that I'm a child of God or that I've been saved from this if you never let them know what you've been saved from. Absolutely. Kind of like going back to the one episode we did, like the fourth or fifth one, where we just went back and we let it all out. (laughs) I think that's part of the tactics of it, too, because, you know, if the devil knows if we don't say anything about what we've been delivered from, no one else can. Well, not even that. No one else can know or be helped that or know that there is deliverance. Yeah, right. because there's First a lot of, of people think that they've went too far to be to right. have their identity changed, honestly. Right. And, and if they don't know where we've been through, we'll they'll never know. They, they think we've been perfect, especially because we're we're pastors' kids and they think, well, they've just they have adopted faith. Well, we haven't adopted nothing except sin because we were born into it just like everybody else. By nature, children of wrath. Yep. Yep. And like if in case anyone is curious. When we talk, she talks about it depends on what rock makes the ripple. There is scriptural evidence for the who the rock is as well. The first one I'm going to put is Isaiah 8.14. Okay. Uh, then he shall become a sanctuary, but to both the house of Israel, a stone to strike and a rock to stumble over, a, and a snare and a trap for the inhabitants of Jerusalem. Isn't it mind-boggling that that rock is still making ripples to this day? It is still. Mm-hmm. And if you want to see the payoff on there, this is Jesus mentions this sometimes, and so do some of the other disciples. It says uh, one of them here in first in uh, actually I go with Romans nine thirty three. Just as it is written, behold, I lay in Zion a stone, a stumbling, and a rock of offense, and he who believes in him will not be disappointed. They automatically switch it right there. They talk about the rock, and then they identify the rock as him. They're not leaving any doubts. They're not. He even goes as far to say, on this rock, I'll build my church yes. and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Which was not Peter. It was Peter's confession in who Jesus was. That makes that makes way more sense to me now, thinking of it that way, as Jesus is the rock of that. And then the gates of hell, we see so much j- junk nowadays that is coming up and trying to prevail. Into the church. <laughs> it's tr- well, no, it's trying to be- prevail against the actual church of Jesus Christ mm-hmm. and the actual children of God. And it can't. No. And they'll try. And they'll say, well, Jesus never said this. Well, Jesus even, never thought this. Even when you're talking about fighting against the other religions of the world. Yeah. No one ever goes against them. No one really does unless they come to try to debate a Christian because on some things. their religion's made out for it's them. It's fake. You can live whatever way you want and still get wherever you want to go. This is the only religion that has been tested and tried throughout the last 2,000 years. Been attacked and survived. Attacked brutally. And it is 
Uh, my favorite thing, my favorite thing, to, uh, my favorite saying that I've heard is when they try to stomp out the ashes, they scattered the embers. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The harder they tried to destroy and dismantle what Christ has done on the cross of Calvary, the further it got pushed. Yeah. That's what I said that before was like, if the devil had any inkling, he would have just left him be. Right. Because they wouldn't have went nowhere. They wouldn't have been scared enough to go somewhere else. They went back to their normal everyday lives. Maybe changed, maybe not. But they wouldn't have scattered. They wouldn't have run as far away from the Roman authority as they could that they did when they got pushed and squeezed. But like I was starting to say, is sometimes people say, well, Jesus didn't believe that. He didn't say that. Well, I got three accounts here, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, all three referencing the same thing. Jesus And Jesus said to them, this one's Matthew 21 and 42, did you never read in the scriptures the stone which the builders rejected, this became the chief cornerstone. This came about from the Lord and is marvelous in our eyes. He not only believed it, he taught it so they would understand. Right. There was no question, no doubt. Absolutely not. And I think that goes what we were just talking about with the apostles. I think it just goes along with the first thing you were saying. You're not going to die for a lie. No. No. And the further that they pushed them, the harder they went to spread the gospel. And for some reason, the circumstances would make you think that they would gain more fear from the opposition, but it just gave them more strength in who Jesus Christ was because they came up against opposition and succeeded, came up against opposition and succeeded, you know? And so that's a word of hope for anybody who is pushing forward to be a Christian, to be a disciple of God, to be a pastor, a preacher, anything that is involved with ministry. Uh, it takes a little bit of time to have a couple tests, you know, and and pass them. But once you get through it, the, the faith just builds and builds and builds. And another thing that can be a positive as well is a lot of times when you make that change, the people that were then accusing you of things start to repeat the good things now. Right. Um, that's the other thing that a lot of times they, when they try and test the truth of the Bible and things like that, is they say, well, there's no evidence for it outside of the Bible. Right. They like to say a lot of times that Jesus never even existed, so it wouldn't matter if you said he said those things because he wasn't there. Right. And I've got a couple examples I'd pulled up, but this was from a while back, and we just never went there. But there were two individuals in particular. One, his name is Tacitus, and he was a a, a Roman historian and a— Similar to like what Pontius Pilate was, was a proconsul in Asia. Yeah. And he was one that was very active in putting Christians to death. Yeah. Definitely very anti-Christian. But even then, he has written things where he wrote to different um, people that were authority over him of putting the Christians to death and that their founder was also put to death. Right, so there's no doubting, doubting so or even denying the, that. Even the enemies of it are saying, well, yeah, well, we know who they're talking about. We killed them. That's one thing that I want to talk about, too, that whenever we're in a position where someone is trying to, someone is trying you in that faith, let it be known that there is people watching you. Yeah. Watching how you're reacting, watching how you're moving within that. And that is another thing that will build someone else up based on what they see you do. That's one reason I think we should always try to stay, you know, honest Mm 
Yeah. Have integrity during things because people are looking and no matter whether you think it or not, you are having an impact on somebody's relationship with God. And I would think get encouraged with that too, because don't be so quick to think that everybody that's watching you is watching to nitpick. Right. Some of them are watching to see how you react. Like, is this, is he going to react the way he says he's going to is the way he's saying to teach for it to happen. And then when they see you put through that situation, You've told them before, this is how you should react. Now you're put to the situation. They're seeing that you are reacting the exact same way you're telling them they should. Right. Because that's the way the Bible instructs. Now they're starting to ask themselves, is who these people are talking about, is is he who they say he is? Absolutely. Because that can answer a lot of questions. That can... Not everybody that's watching you is watching you hoping you're going to fail. There's a large number that are watching and hoping that you're going to succeed because then that gives them some hope as well. Everybody's looking for hope. Everybody's looking for peace. Everybody's looking for love and acceptance. Security. You know, and they all need, they're they're all trying to find it in these things that give temporary sort of satisfaction. We're out here trying to offer something that will last. You know, because a lot of these identities that people are going into, whether it be at your job, whether it be at school, whether it be between your group of friends, the identity that you portray in front of people won't last. It ain't going to take you anywhere. Or it might. It might, it take, might you. take somewhere you don't want to go. Absolutely. But one of these things that we're trying to, or not one of these, the thing we're trying to get across to people is that the only way you can truly change and have a monumental change in your life that will change your eternal destination for good is accepting Jesus Christ into your life. Absolutely. You can't do anything outside of that that makes a difference. You can live right as good as you want. You can have morality. You can be kind to people and not judge people and do this and do that. But at the end of the day, what good has it done unless you accepted Jesus Christ? There will be those in that day that say, Lord, I prophesied in your name. I, I, did these in your name. I preached in your name. I did these things that you want us to do for you. But depart from me because I never knew you. Just because you're going through and doing some of the things that you think you should do, you've got to have that intent behind it. You've got to have the real reason behind it. You've got to be doing it not just because maybe it builds me up. People think I'm better. Right. Everything should be based around building to get people across that bridge to Jesus from wherever they're at. Everything from point A to point B. Everything you should everything you do should reflect upon that or should be a reflection of that. Any thought, Casey? My only thought, what you were saying, Mark, you know, you do things well is appearance and identity are different. Oh, exactly. that's big. I wish we would have said that earlier. I know. Huh? It's on there. It's okay. <laughs> <laughs> Stick through to the end, everybody, though. I guess this, that's at the end of it as well, too. Yeah. So, Yeah, appearance and identity are different. You can look like a rich person, and you can be thousands of dollars in debt. Everybody who sees you might think that you're well off, but you're struggling to stay afloat despite what you have. Right. You can act like a Christian, do everything a Christian should do, but if you haven't truly accepted Christ then it doesn't matter. Why do we tend to judge things by what we see? Because it's the only sensory input we have. We're stupid. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Bible goes even to say you see on the outward appearance of man, but God looks on the heart. Yeah. Like w- with the choosing of 
King Saul or David. One was based on the outward appearance. We saw where that led, and he started out good. I did a sermon on him before. He started out good. Right. But he lost his commitment. And don't be scared when people aren't liking you. Yeah. Worldly favor will never uh, amount to anything. Like yeah. Mark said, the only the only opinion that matters is God's. Yeah. Yeah, because he's gained the, uh, uh, the approval of every man, and I think that had actually hindered his ability to serve God. Absolutely. He started believing what they were saying. Right. And worldly approval will never beat a holy anointing Absolutely. at the end of the day. Never. Not even close. Because at the end of the day, David was like, everything that man said was not good to be a leader. Mm-hmm. Uh, too young, too short, uh, didn't have this complexion, wasn't... No wasn't, experience. He wasn't proved in anything. But just because what man says goes, don't don't just go off of that. Go with what God says. God says you're chosen. God says you are a holy priesthood. God says you are children of God. He also says you're a little bit peculiar, Mark. <laughs> yes. Hey, I, I own it. Hey, I don't I don't blame you. And with that, we're gonna say we love you guys. We ask that you search, search through your own self to find identity in Christ. Uh, not you don't even have to look at yourself. Look into what Christ did for you. Look into what he has laid out for you as salvation. Uh don't don't think it's strange when people are being crazy and telling you who you who they think you are or the enemy whispering in your ear saying you're not worthy, you're not good enough. Christ says you are good enough. He proved it on Calvary, and he's offering salvation for you today in the name of Jesus Christ. And with that, we're going to say love you. Bye. Bye. Thank you for joining us for another episode of Ready to Preach. We hope that something that has been said today will aid you in your journey both in Christianity and in the pursuit of becoming ready to preach. If you enjoyed today's podcast, please reach out to us on our Facebook page, Redemption Church, and share us with your friends. If you have any questions for us or topics you would like for us to discuss, we can be reached through the Facebook's direct message or in the comments section of our posts about the podcast. We look forward to you tuning in next week.